welcome to My Classic Soul, the podcast dedicated to the very best of classic soul and R&B music. I'm Bethany Dawson, and joining me is the man often referred to as the British Ambassador of Soul, Mr. David Nathan. Hi, David. Hey, Beth. How are you today? I'm really good. How are you doing? Excellent, excellent. So, today we have a fun topic. We're talking about two of the legendary love men in soul music, Barry White and Isaac Hayes. So, David... Let's start off by talking a little about Isaac Hayes. Sure. I mean, one of the things that I would say to to tie the two gentlemen together is that they were, in some ways, the most unlikely uh, recording artists, performers to become known as sex symbols. I mean, they just didn't, whatever one's kind of concept of what a, a male sex symbol would look like, they didn't quite fit the bill in terms of their physical appearance. Isaac Hayes. Isaac Hayes had an interesting history. Um, Before he became a recording artist in his own right, he was actually one of the primary producers and songwriters at Stax Records in Memphis. And as such, with his uh, songwriting and producing partner, David Porter, he was responsible for hits with uh, Sam and Dave, many Sam and Dave hits. In fact, the, the primary, almost all the recordings that, uh, if not all the recordings that uh, Sam and Dave did at uh, Stax Records were done by Isaac Hayes and David Porter. And thinking about songs like uh, Soul Man, I Thank You, Hold On, I'm Coming, You Don't Know Like I Know, all, these all classic Stax Records. Uh, and Isaac, uh, as keyboard player, and uh, primary uh, melody maker with David Porter as a lyricist. And um, they just created this uh, enormous catalog of, of Stax hits. So also working with Carla Thomas, uh, some of the other Stax artists are of prominence. And so they were really like amongst the most important, David, Isaac Hayes and David Porter are amongst the most important architects of what one would call the Stax sound. And... Uh, how the story goes is one night uh, there was some extra studio time and um, Isaac's sitting at the piano and next thing we know he had an album which was actually called Presenting Isaac Hayes and that came out in 1967, I believe. We can verify that. Um, and I don't know that it was intended as like the beginning of his like official recording career. Oh, Beth just gave me the thumbs up. Definitely 1967. It's 67, baby. All right. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Anyway, uh, so then here we fast forward a few, a couple of years to um, when Stax Records is now, um, you know, uh, off on its own, so to speak, not, no longer working directly with Atlantic Records. And uh, Isaac does an album, probably one of the most groundbreaking albums of the time period, and that was Hot Buttered Soul. 1969 and uh, what was amazing is that it literally only had four tracks and the one that immediately got resonance was Walk On By, his reinterpretation of the Dion Warwick Burt Bacharach, Hal David penned classic from 1964 and he turned it into an opus, I mean really just amazing string arrangements on there, I mean the whole album uh was unlike anything that had ever been heard, uh, and particularly at black radio in America. And, um, you know, Isaac, um, again, the front cover, uh, he has a bald head, which is kind of, 
he he had he he was bald before it was fashionable <laughs> and um you know it was really that it was what made it so revolutionary is again much like uh, some of the other artists of that time period that we've talked about on previous podcasts like Roberta Flack you know this is these are not like um radio friendly at the time artists they it's art it's making music not with the intention of having but a hit and with Isaac Hayes i mean there were radio stations in america who literally played the whole side of an Isaac Hayes album they walk on by and then uh, there was by the time i get to phoenix is on that album and another song called one woman and the song with an completely unpronounceable name which i'm not going to attempt but has lots of syllables in it and uh, this was an, a groundbreaking album and i don't know that people expected it to be like a a breakout but it did become that and and set the scene for isaac to become or ike to become um this kind of whole new male sex symbol in particular with uh because the song, because of his voice i mean this guy you know anyone who's ever heard isaac hayes knows that he has this very deep you know like baritone bass voice and you know it was appealing because there weren't that many other baritone bass singers i mean i'm thinking of uh of course from the temptations melvin franklin and so there were bass voices you heard but usually part of groups not by themselves so there's that and then um you know within a couple of years he had taken on the uh the nickname black moses and you would see isaac hayes adorned with all these chains and he was like you know bare chested i mean he became like this real symbol uh and and it was symbolic in many ways of, of you know the uh, of the time period uh to emer- for for uh for african americans to actually have a black male sex symbol and i want to keep saying symbol sex symbol i want to say just a you know the, the his whole you know aura and how he appeared and how the performances they were very kind of theatrical i mean you know it wasn't just like oh let me come up here and sing a, song, a couple of songs so it was a, like a big production thing with isaac hayes and then of course uh, we can't forget that um he became multitudinously famous wow where that come from as the author of the theme from shark who's the black private dick that's a sex machine to all cheeks you damn right How could you forget that? I mean, there you go. Beth is giving us her fabulous interpretation of Shaft. Thank you very much, Beth. Brilliant. You know, which went from being like the theme of a, of a, of a film, um, gave uh, yeah, Isaac an Oscar as a result of winning uh, of that song. And, you know, as you just pointed out, very famous, very memorable. So Isaac Hayes' career took some very interesting different turns, you know, and then... Um, then uh, so you know, of course, as his pr- career progressed, um, he did an album also with Dion Warwick called "A Man and a Woman," which they did, they toured together. Um, he was also the writer of, of some songs that were also successful for her, like "Deja Vu," and uh, he. But he was essentially one of the kind of forerunners of what we would call the um, a, a bedroom soul. Uh, crooners, there you go. That was the word I was looking for. Which leads us very conveniently to talk about uh, 
the other unlikely candidate. Ah, yes. The walrus of love himself, often referred to, I believe, um, Mr. Barry White. Yes. And and, and Barry um, started out... um, he was a bit of a real bad boy in his youth. Uh, in fact, at some point, I think he went to prison. He was a member of gangs in L.A. He was, he was, a, he was a, you know, he was a hustler, like real, like, you know, I don't know what else a to say about nut. that. A, a, hard, yeah, I, I, a hard nut. Yeah, yeah, hard nut. I think he um, actually went to prison for stealing uh, Cadillac tires. Wow, there you go. That's novel. That's knowledge. And then, he, and, and then he ended up owning Cadillacs. There you go. That's how it goes. But anyway, uh, I think he 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 was known, uh, particularly in LA, uh, as as a producer and, and songwriter. And he was actually uh, had some success in Britain, uh, not himself as an artist at that time, but with a, a female singer called Felice Taylor, and a song called "I'm Under the Influence of Love." And it was like a little little bit of a trivia there for our '60s people of a certain generation. Anyway. Um, the next thing we know, uh, I, uh, Barry White shows up as the producer um, and the main creative force behind a group called Love Unlimited, which is a trio. Not quite like the Supremes, one could say, but very, uh, you know, kind of, yeah, yeah. Walking in the Rain with the One I Love. That was the first big hit by Love Unlimited. And uh, it starts with this little rap you know with the the his in fact his future wife glodine uh is speaking and she's calling her 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 man that she's just left and saying yeah hey baby i just got home and barry and then you hear barry's voice you know and he's like you spoke about isaac having a deep voice and barry Barry just yeah he's in his own uh category that's right when I think of when I have to think of like a stereotypical like male sexy voice, you think all, of me. Oh no oh, no, yeah. no no no! <laughs> all I think of is Barry White. Okay, <laughs> I, th- I, 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 I feel being, like a lot of people will, will feel the same. You're probably absolutely right. So anyway, here we are. He's successful with Love Unlimited, um, and then he um, starts in, in in the wake of Isaac Hayes being so successful with that same kind of vocal range and that kind of bedroom voice here we here, here comes barry white making albums and um they were they weren't they weren't in the same way opus like opus like in terms of they won't have long 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 tracks on them but they did have uh, some hits i mean massive hits you know uh, you're my first you know i lost my everything uh can't get enough um Oh wow! There's just there's a whole like range of uh, of Barry White hits. I mean, and that, yeah, they're all the ultimate. Like, so when I think of "Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Babe," I just I would love to know an actual statistic of how many how many weddings that's been played at. Well, you could do that. You could also find out. Uh, uh, there's probably statistically some information about how both Isaac Hayes and Barry White were responsible for a number of. Uh, of pregnancies, not directly <laughs> themselves, but as a the result, soundtrack to. the soundtrack to, which is why we sometimes call it bedroom soul, because they really did. It was the kind of music people played when they were hang, having amorous episodes. <laughs> anyway, uh, but Barry White was not the prototype of what you would expect in terms of a 
sex symbol in terms of really what he looked like. He had this, you know, processed do black, you know, black hair, you know, slick back, and he was, uh, you know, <laughs> he was a big guy. I mean, he was a physically big guy. Yeah, right? he was a big man in every sense of yes, the word, right? He big was. in stature, exactly. Uh, big in heart, big in capacity for love. I read, yeah. which is a nice one, and big in musical sound. Yeah, and, and yeah, that the thing the the thing that's so interesting about Barry White too is that he he is this, this kind of this paradox. He's this big, big guy, but he's got this kind of tender, like you know, very, very much about, um, in particular, being very um, what's the right word? Respectful of women, very, um, just very. Uh, tender, very tender. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. It, it was escaping me for a moment there. And I, go ahead. I uh, I read a really nice quote from him mm. the other day that was, uh, he said, "I see a world of beauty and perfection, and I strive through my music to spread that vision to help make this planet we call home a better, more desirable place for us to love one another, to procreate, and to keep." Our spirit renewed. Wow! And I did. It, it, it does encapsulate yeah, yeah. What, what you're saying. Yeah, and it's kind of contrary to what you would expect when you first see him, like physically. And uh, I think one of the most uh, like special memories for me, uh, just in in life, not just in, in music, uh, was when Barry White first came to Britain, and I believe the year was 1974, and he performed with a full orchestra. Because, of course, uh, in addition to the hits with Love Unlimited, uh, there was also the, um, in his own hits, there's also something called the Love Unlimited Orchestra. And there's Love's theme from Love Unlimited Orchestra. So, so can you do that one, Beth? Can you do that? No, no, no. That no, one. just one for this episode, oh, I jolly think. good. All right, then. No problem. <laughs> I can't do it because I can't remember how the melody goes. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll play yeah. it. So anyway. But anyway, so Love theme. And um, so here we are, the, the Hammers, good old Hammersmith Odeon, later to become the Hammersmith Apollo, later to become the Evan Tim or whatever. Evan Tim Apollo. Yes, now, yeah. all kind of names. But anyway, here, here we are, the Hammersmith Odeon. And out comes Barry White with uh, a full orchestra, obviously a London-based orchestra. He didn't fly all the musicians in from L.A. And um, and Love Unlimited is on the stage, three, the three, the trio of Love Unlimited. And uh, he comes out and he starts conducting. And for most, I can't say for most people, I say say for myself, I had never been to a concert with a full orchestra. I mean, you know, I went to lots of soul shows in Britain. But very seldom did someone have a 40-piece orchestra. Oh, yeah. If no one had, Barry I had <laughs> never seen that. And it was just like awesome. I mean, it was like, wow. And so we talk about the music being kind of, uh, you know, bedroom soul. But it was also like orchestral soul. You know, this guy was – so he really took it seriously. I mean, it wasn't like – he was like doing it proper. As they he, say, he arranged, I like how I just composed, said that. Yeah. Wrote, like that's exactly a, a real skill. Yeah, he, and, and he was just the nicest guy. I mean, I remember in, in, you know interviewing him several times. One of my fondest memories was uh, when I when I lived in LA, I was going to his house, uh, and you know he, he was married to Glodine. I, I don't know if Glodine was there at the time, but anyway, so I go in the living room, and he had this thing, and had all these so uh, a few sofas, and they got they were 
covered in plastic. Which oh, is a, I see him as being having really comfy sofas. I That's know. The vibe I but get no, no, no. Ellie. This was kind of like a thing. This is also certain. I don't know how to explain it's that. A showroom. No, no. It's part of a certain tradition. Okay. Uh, amongst uh, certain black families that they had. I'm serious, and particularly in I don't know if it's particularly in LA, but where the sofa was covered in. We had a plastic covering on it. But the thing that I remember the most was going out into the garden because Barry White had his own little waterfall. Oh, what? I was like, wow. And I loved I said, oh, can we just sit and talk out here? He said, sure, man. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so there's this like he actually had a waterfall put into his garden. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, and just sit there, you know, chill it, chill it with Barry. Oh, that's when you know you've made it. Right, with the waterfall. I was like, I want one of them, you know. Yeah, right, whatever. Anyway, but just he, what, what I, the thing I, I guess want to emphasize is that he, again, was a, the, an unlikely candidate to be a sex symbol. But I tell you, I mean, if you went to a Barry White concert, you know, I, I don't know if, any women through panties, but they were certainly because that was a thing, you know, with certain other uh, male artists like Teddy Pendergrass. Yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah, about him in another 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 time. But yes, yeah, so I don't know if they they threw panties on the stage, but there's certainly, um, you know, Barry. Yeah, he he was the guy. They were vibing. Oh, they were definitely vibing. You know, and 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 men would take their girlfriends or wives to a Barry White concert because they knew that after <laughs> they say, "Well, let's take you to the concert and then take you get you home and no and then we'll tonight, put darling. and then then we'll put on some Barry White music <laughs> and who knows." We're going to take a quick break, but please stay tuned because we'll be right back. Now available for pre-order exclusively at soulmusic.com, the 50th anniversary edition of First Take, Roberta Flack's 1969 debut album for Atlantic Records. First Take has been remastered and expanded to a two-CD, one-LP box set, featuring the original eight-track album plus 16 bonus tracks. First Take is a beautiful soul-jazz hybrid that includes the number one hit song, The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face, and includes famous jazz luminaries such as Ron Carter, Benny Powell, and Selden Powell as sidemen. Featured in the 1971 Clint Eastwood movie Play Misty For Me, the popularity of The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face helped drive her debut album to number one on both the Billboard album chart and the R&B album chart. Newly remastered and expanded, this deluxe 50th anniversary edition includes 16 bonus tracks, 12 of which are previously unreleased, totaling nearly an hour of never-before-heard Roberta Flack music. Also included in this deluxe set is the original vinyl album, newly remastered and pressed on 140-gram vinyl. It's accompanied with a detailed essay by noted soul historian David Nathan, all beautifully packaged in a 12 by 12 hardback book. Roberta Flack's first take, the 50th anniversary edition, is now available for pre-order exclusively at soulmusic.com. Welcome back. Today we're talking about two of the legendary love men in soul music, Barry White and Isaac Hayes. 
And talking about Black Moses, the album, um, so that was released in 1971 as a follow-up to Hayes' successful soundtrack for Shaft, which you heard me do a lovely rendition of. Indeed. Um, and what I, is well, what's special about that album is the the uh, gatefold that came with it. So it's the picture of Isaac's head, but then when you fold all of the sleeves out, it comes out into uh, a cross, into a crucifix uh, shape, um, which was, I imagine, quite controversial at the time, but yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a very interesting piece of artwork for uh, 1971. Absolutely. And we can't avoid the point of Isaac Hayes, of course, being the voice of Chef on South Park. And uh, the fact that he did he did have a number one he in, uh, did, yes. in the UK in 1999 <laughs> with the uh, track uh, Chocolate, is it Chocolate Salty Balls? Uh, in brackets, P.S. I Love You. Yes. Um, <laughs> that was very nearly Christmas number one. It was beaten only by the Spice Girls' well, Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, How yeah, shocking. From Walk On, <laughs> from walk on By to... From uh, walk, walk On By to Chocolate Salty Balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a career! What 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 what? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he certainly. Sex, sex symbol from day one. There, there we you are. go. <laughs> I mean, I have to say that uh, by virtue of doing this podcast uh, with you, I uh, actually for, I, I remember I remember seeing some episodes of South Park and certainly hearing Chef and seeing the character, but I don't think if I'm 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 pretty much sure that. Chocolate Salty Balls was not a hit single in America. I think they probably wouldn't have had dared put it out. As a, but you know, Britain, you know, is it's a little bit more progressive in some ways. And uh, the fact that it even got on the air, I mean, I can't. <laughs> you were playing a little bit of it before, and I'm like, how on earth did that ever come out as a? a I mean, and not only come out, but be played on the radio and and be a UK number a one num- hit oh, single. Wow, that's what you want at Christmas. The Spice Girls ruined it for us all. Should we go back to Barry? Let's, Let's talk go about back to Barry. 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 <laughs> Barry. Less chocolate salty balls. Well, um, we don't know that part, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Barry White, talk me through your top three essential Barry tracks. Barry tracks. Well, we did make a reference earlier in our off, off, off mic comments about the fact that he had done. Um, Lisa Stansfield's All Around the World. Na, na, na. Yeah, which she, uh, um, uh, and that's him, him, him doing his version of it, and she's a guest on it, so to speak, right? Yes. So I love that song. So even though that's like much later in, in his career, I'll definitely have to say that one. And then also, uh, what was my two other favorite Barry White? Uh, never, never gonna give you up. Never, never gonna. Yeah. I don't think I could go low enough. <laughs> I could. Anyway, um, anyway, the other one would be. Um, wow. I, you know what? I, I think it probably would be. Uh, can't get enough because it was it was just the first hit. Can't get enough. Can't get enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's an obvious one, but obviously you're the first, the last, my everything. Yeah. As soon as it comes on, do 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 do. Oh, yeah, all right. Let, let's nah. swap. Let's, do, do, yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're you're going to the dance floor, aren't uh, you? You're walking yeah, up. Yeah, and, and you know that's over. it's good you said that because you know one of the things that we forget is that uh, I forget is that Barry also was one of the you know kings of disco. 
I mean, you've got to think of the time period, like this is 73, 74, 75, 76, you know, when disco is like really like coming to the fore. And um, a lo- apart from the romantic ballads, you know, and the, the kind of, we talk about, you know, bedroom soul, there's also the element of like the, these kind of, you know, I mean, even as you said, you started, you started doing that just now, you know, I mean, it's dance records, man. These are disco. Barry White, Barry White was a big disco and Love's Theme. Love's Theme was, was a big total. start for that, wasn't it? With absolutely. The Love, the absolutely. So he, he really was like he, he multidimensional. He really, and you know, there's something, the one thing that I, I, I do remember in, in, in conversations with Barry White, uh, was he really loved music? Music was like his. He, I think at one point in one of his quotes, it sounds like he says, he, he says music was really like his woman. I mean, not like he didn't have a great relationship with his wife, but I'm just saying that he really, he, he just loved love music. And you could, you know, some people it's it isn't a profession. It's a, it's it's just a, it's just what they live for. It's what what they, it's. They live and breathe it, and, and, and Barry was. And I remember seeing him once in the studio, very briefly, and he was a real. He wasn't like some like oh, he stick. He was a professional. He's like, no, let's do that again. Let's do that again, um, and and always surrounded himself with great musicians and great arrangers. I mean, he was a very he was very smart in that respect as well, and um, just a real good guy, real good guy, Barry White. Yeah. Well, I think. You mentioned about about the musicality of it. It's what brings, what makes Barry White and Isaac a similar is that they are both. They were more than just. They weren't just a persona or uh, a character or, you know, famous for just purely the voice. It was obviously Isaac came from from the songwriting background, but the musicality and the arrangement yeah. and the composition. That's yeah. what. Is, um, exactly. And, you know, Barry and, and Barry White. You know, wrote co-wrote most of his songs and. You know, produced a range, but it was really a great producer. And 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 uh, you know, I mean, even listen to the Love Unlimited records and the Love Unlimited Orchestra. I mean, you know, and he also was an entrepreneur. I mean, very you know, in terms of having you know his own record label at one point, Unlimited Gold. I mean, uh, Isaac had one too, uh, hot, called Hot Butter Soul Records, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so at different times they did branch out into into finding ways to um, you know become businessmen. I not, think not Isaac just, bought yeah. a sports team at some point as well. He did. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, Isaac was not as successful financially. Well. So, uh, you know, that's another story. But um, yeah, Barry, yeah, so he was, he was, a, yeah. I just have just a real fun fondness for him. You know, just a real guy. I liked him. I like I liked his whole vibe. You know, it wasn't just the waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, anyone called the Warriors of Love is yeah. fine in my books. That's about it for this episode of My Classic Soul. Please join us again, and we would love it if you could leave us a rating and a review on your favourite podcast platform. Also, please make sure to follow My Classic Soul on Facebook and visit us at soulmusic.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Listening.